Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, and chapter 14, verses 8 through 18. The church at Antioch included prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul to the work I have called them to undertake. After they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on these two and sent them off. In Lystra, there was a certain man who lacked strength in his legs. He had been crippled since birth and had never walked. Sitting there, he heard Paul speaking. Paul stared at him and saw that he believed he could be healed. Raising his voice, Paul said, stand up straight on your feet. He jumped up and began to walk. Seeing what Paul had done, the crowd shouted in the Lycanoian language, the gods have taken human form and come down to visit us. They referred to Barnabas as Zeus and to Paul as Hermes, since Paul was the main speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was located just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates. Along with the crowds, he wanted to offer sacrifices to them. When the Lord's messengers, Barnabas and Paul, found out about this, they tore their clothes in protest and rushed out into the crowd. They shouted, People, what are you doing? We are humans too, just like you. We are proclaiming the good news to you. Turn to the living God and away from such worthless things. He made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted every nation to go on its way. Nevertheless, he hasn't left himself without a witness. He has blessed you by giving you rain from above as well as seasonal harvests and satisfying you with food and happiness. Even with these words, they barely kept the crowds from sacrificing to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Dan. Would y'all pray with me? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer, so that whether it's because of me or even in spite of me, it would still be your word that is faithfully proclaimed and your name that is glorified. Amen. When you hear the phrase, thoughts and prayers, What happens internally? I saw like half the room smile. I saw like three people roll eyes just now. Does that resonate? When people say thoughts and prayers in a public discourse, often it's used to keep us from having a meaningful conversation about things that matter. Thoughts and prayers have become a tool, the phrase, not the action, the phrase thoughts and prayers has become a a tool, a sort of shield to keep us from engaging in any real work of faith. 
A lot of times when you hear thoughts and prayers being lifted by people in a public forum, it's usually in response to someone challenging them about some fundamentally held belief that might challenge their ability to be elected in the next cycle of elections. Thoughts and prayers becomes, in that way, a sort of, a sort of weapon against any sort of forward progress, any sort of discourse, any sort of hard conversation. So that when, I, when I'm challenged, rather than engaging in that challenge, I could just say, well, I'm going to think and pray about that. And then really I just disengage. Does that resonate at all with when you hear people talk about thoughts and prayers? Does that feel like a way that it's used? Okay, I'm seeing nodding heads. This, I don't want to say that's a good thing. It's a bad thing, but it's the reality right now. What makes me saddest about this, though, is that I think that a lot of us have become so reactive to this idea of thoughts and prayers becoming a shield against any conversation that might be meaningful. We've become so reactive to it, so detached from it, so against this idea of using thoughts and prayers to keep ourselves from seeing any forward movement that we've actually come to a place where we're resistant to thoughts and prayers. So because we see people doing prayer wrong, rather than challenging what prayer should be, we just stop praying. Rather than engaging in thoughtfulness or taking a step back, we reactively jump forward, pushing the issue more and more and more and more and more. Does this resonate at all? I, I feel it in myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church. Part of my job is, like, praying and being thoughtful. But, like, when you see people on television calling for thoughts and prayers, but what they actually mean is that we're not going to do either one of these things, it makes me just want to stop. It's like they've stolen prayer and thoughtfulness from us. So that's what, that's what I grieve. Because I think we've come to this place where we all gathered in this room for some reason. You know? There's some sort of bigger mystery that we're trying to wrap our heads around. There's some idea of an infinite that goes beyond the space that we can't quite put our finger to. There's some greater power that is guiding us and challenging us and inspiring us. There's something that drew us to this place. The stories of Christ transforming the whole world simply by walking through it with grace is so inspirational. Somehow we got brought here and some of y'all may have been dragged by a spouse or a friend, and I'm sorry for that, but you're here engaging with this. Oh, there's too much nudging happening. This is amazing. <laughs> I wish y'all could see from my perspective. It's really great. Okay, so half the room was dragged here. That's fine. Uh, 
part of the group here came because of this bigger story that we believe there must be some truth to. Their spirit must be moving. There must be another way of living. There must be some greater meaning both to my life and to what God has, or to what this, this world is supposed to look like. There must be some vocation in my life that I must be called to because sometimes I feel like I'm doing the right thing and sometimes I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing and I don't know what voice that is if it's not my own. So we come here trusting in this mystery while also being wholly resistant to prayer and thoughtfulness. Because some political leader did it bad. And so you see what we're doing. We're giving people we don't respect authority over our lives. Why? Why are we letting other people dictate our life of faith? Why are we letting other people confuse the message of the gospel? Why are we letting other people steal prayer, steal thoughtfulness, steal compassion from us? Because the book of Acts is, is, is one of my favorite books. The Luke and Acts, like, combined story is my favorite part of our Bible. And one of the reasons it's my favorite part of the Bible is because there really is just one central figure. If you read the book of Acts, especially after Jesus ascends into the clouds, an uh, angel appears to the disciples, and you know Jesus has just disappeared up into the clouds, and an angel shows up and it's like, all the disciples are staring up, and all the angel comes around and is like, what are you looking at? And then the next thing that happens is the Spirit of God led them. And then it says that the Spirit of God guided their decision-making to replace Judas as a, the, as a disciple. And then it says that through prayer through fasting, through intentionality, the Spirit of God had a chance to guide these people, to empower the community to look after one another. And Stephen gets appointed to care for all those who are hungry in the community. And he starts to gain his own voice, but it's not his voice, it's the Spirit of God speaking through him. And Stephen, through the Spirit, is able to describe how God's been active from the beginning of time, working through Noah, and then through Abraham, and then through the twelve sons, and then through the tribe. Despite all of our inability to be faithful, God has remained faithful, and the next chapter is happening now. Stephen's able to do this because of the Spirit of God working in him, because of his prayer life that is guiding him to be close to God's heart. And Stephen is executed, and the one supervising Stephen's execution is a guy named Saul. But then the Spirit of God challenges him, and Paul meets Christ, the risen Christ, on the road, and he's blinded. And then he walks guided by some of his servants to a guy named Ananias who's been given a vision that he's supposed to pray over this massive energy, ener massive enemy to the movement. 
And then he prays over Paul. And the scales fall off of his eyes. And his whole life, the enemy, the enemy of Christ becomes the greatest advocate for Christ in the Gentile world because of prayer. Because of fasting. Because of worship. The greatest enemy who was using his faithfulness to condemn the followers of Christ after prayer is now an advocate. This is the power of prayer. And so it continues from there. So after Paul starts to advocate, they have another council. I am, we are doing a, this is a fast forward version of the book of Acts. I hope you'll read it. But then they, they gather together in Antioch. And this is where Dan read for us today. And the first thing it says about their gathering is that they gathered for prayer, for worship, and for fasting. And out of that, they found the calling on Paul and Barnabas's life to go out to a Gentile world to bring new life, to expand the vision so that it wouldn't just be about one people group, one heritage, but now every person around the globe is welcome to join in this eternal family of God. Everything changes in the lives of the people who pray. So what I am most scared of right now is that we would stop praying because we saw somebody else do it badly. What I'm most worried about is that we'll stop listening to the voice of God because we're so irritated with the people who claim to speak on behalf of God. What I worry about is that we'll forget to pause, to reflect, to be nourished, to be cared for before we jump into immediate action in the world. What I'm worried about is that we'll become so focused on the need for our world to be transformed that we'll try to do it our own way rather than trusting in the nourishing, life-giving force of God. This, this is the power of worship. This is why it's important to sing, to pray, to read scripture as a part of a community. This is why it's important to sing these hymns that often have a lot of dated language in them or have like big, weird theological arguments that we're not so sure about. This is why we do it. So we can be nourished by it, challenged by it, inspired by it, so that through worship, the focus of our energy might pivot away from what I want and what I like and what I hope for, but pivot towards the vision of God where I'm included, but I'm not the center. Because what we have right now is a bunch of people who are their own little deity. We've got a bunch of Zeus's and Hermes 
running around, needing to be worshipped for their amazing insight and incredible power. Am I wrong? <laughs> Including ourselves, if we're being honest. Like, I love affirmation. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love being affirmed. But that has nothing to do with God. That has everything to do with my, my need, which is why Paul and Barnabas are so beautiful. They're challenging in their own way. But what is so beautiful about them and their witness here is that they start with prayer before they go out. They start with prayer and worship. They trust the, the, the call of God on their lives enough to go into a very dangerous world. They are stoned multiple times in the book of Acts, nearly to death. I mean, these guys are not just like wandering through Decatur, like talking about how great life could be. They're like being stoned and left for dead in multiple places. But they trust the call of God on their lives enough that they're willing to go through these dangerous places. And when they start being affirmed as gods, as people bringing their own power, they refute it instantly. This is not my work. This is God's work happening through me. And they use that opportunity to point all of the attention back to God. This is the power of prayer. It transforms our hearts so that we're not so self-centered and self-obsessed, whether in positive ways or in negative ones. It transforms our hearts. And then as our hearts are transformed and our vision starts to grow to see the world in a bigger capacity through the vision of God, we can start to put our hands to work to transform the world, not because of my vision, but God's vision. This is the power that comes through prayer and worship. We can be nourished by something other than our own passion. We can be called by something other than our own need to be important. And we can transform the world. But that only happens if we're willing to take a step back. and actually devote our thoughts and prayers to the work. So I invite you to thoughts and prayers. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.